Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hey, everybody. This is Tom Salemi. Hope you're all recovering from the weekend at AAO. And I certainly hope you started it off right with us at OIS at AAO. We uh, held our 14th OIS. It was at the Hyatt Regency Chicago, and uh, it was uh, terrific. We had over 900 people show up, and uh, it was a great day of, uh, of presentations and panel discussions. As I uh, discussed previously with them at Cunningham, we mixed the uh, mixed the agenda up just a bit and uh, heard a lot of rave reviews from folks. So very grateful to everyone who participated. Thank you again to uh, all of our sponsors who uh, helped make it possible and of course, uh, a big congratulations to the Healthogy team and uh, our co-chairs, uh, Emmett Cunningham, Bill Link, and Gil Kleiman. Uh, it's great to have such uh, terrific leadership in putting putting together this type of event. And uh, we want to bring you some uh, some content from the event. If you missed uh, a portion of it, if for some strange reason you just uh, couldn't attend, or for some legitimate reason you couldn't attend. We'll be delivering the uh, the content to you in your inboxes. If you want to see the content as it comes out, my best suggestion is you go to ois.net and sign up for the Ion Innovation newsletter. We will uh, we'll make much of the content available through those channels, and you'll also be uh, eligible to receive uh, our other content related AO at OIS at AO related content uh, as it comes out, and we'll be churning that out in the coming weeks including uh, some great interviews, uh, private interviews I had with uh, some of ophthalmology's leaders, including Gavin Herbert, David Pyatt, Ashley McAvoy, Bob Dempsey, Jim Mazo, and Vince Anito. So uh, it was uh, it was a pre- very, very productive day and a very enjoyable day for me, and I hope it was for you as well. To, uh, to hold you over until all that great content comes down the pike, I'd like to uh, present you with uh, this Voices of OIS podcast or perhaps we can call it voices uh, that would be stupid mario won't let me keep that so we'll just say voices of ois and uh I, in addition to those interviews that i i had with the folks i mentioned a bit ago uh i talked to uh more than a dozen companies about the news that they delivered at ois and also just got some updates on their companies overall so we once again will make those interviews available to you uh their video interviews through our email channels, so do sign up for the Eye on Innovation newsletter. But I wanted to give you a snippet of, uh, of some of those conversations in this podcast. First, we have the opportunity to report some news at OIS. I talked to uh, Amar Sani. Early in their day, Amar Sani, of course, he's president and CEO and uh, chairman of the board of directors for Ocular Therapeutics. Earlier in the day, uh, Ocular Therapeutics uh, reported a new agreement with Regeneron. We'll talk to Amar Sani about that deal. And then we'll get into a few other uh, news-breaking elements from OIS. You had some exciting news this morning. Uh, you, you, made, you had a release. You've got a new arrangement with uh, Regeneron. Can you bring us up to date? Yeah, really exciting development, uh, something that we've been working on for some time with Regeneron on. And uh, what uh, we announced today is that we are entering into a collaborative uh, option and license agreement with Regeneron. Uh, directed towards developing an extended release formulation of uh, Flibrocept or huh? ILEA. Uh, the hope is that uh, this collaboration will be able to advance uh, a product which could release ILEA over a four to six months duration, an extended duration, 
relative to the shorter duration that the injections right now have and will enable less frequent injections and potentially even alleviate some of the side effects that are associated with frequent injections. Mm -hmm. So you said an option, an option on this on this particular pro product? Right. Uh, it is uh, directed towards the anti-VEGF mechanism. Okay. So as you know, our technology can be applied for a, a range of different uh, applications. Uh, for protein-based anti-VEGF mechanisms, uh, this collaboration is uh, structured. For other mechanisms that are not anti-VEGF-based or small molecule-based, including anti-VEGF, we can develop those ourselves or with other collaborators. But uh, ILEA, as you know, is a hard-to-beat drug. It's uh, mm -hmm. uh, really done an excellent job, and uh, Rijan Ron is an excellent uh, collaborator, very scientifically-minded company, uh, uh, a good partner. Had you been own. working with them before? We had been working with them for about two years uh, informally mm -hmm. uh, and uh, developed a good rapport with their team. And over time, we decided that this collaboration should be taken to the next more meaningful level. Next, we talked to Monty Montoya. Monty's been a, a staple at OIS, of course, representing SightLife, which has done a great uh, deal of great work in corneal transplants. But uh, Monty was there to talk about a new venture that he is uh, involved with. He's now CEO and president of Sight Life Surgical. And uh, Monty will give us the details right here. We recently closed mm -hmm. on the Series A financing of Sight Life Surgical. Uh, that round was done by Flying L Partners, uh, which is led by Bill Link. Uh, many other great people in the ophthalmology industry are behind Flying L, people mm -hmm. like Andy Corley, um, who's had a great impact in our space. And so we're excited to be here at OIS to announce uh, the creation of Sight Life Surgical, the funding of Sight Life Surgical, and and now get into the, the, the work of actually uh, growing that organization and, and creating benefits for surgeons, benefits for patients, and benefits for the investors. Terrific. How does Sight Life Surgical fit into Sight Life? Where's the connection? Yeah, and so uh, the, the main process of providing corneas for transplant is the recovery processing and distribution of those corneas. Sight Life Surgical is going to take on the processing and distribution portion of providing corneas for transplant. Sight Life, the nonprofit, will retain the recovery portion mm -hmm. and the global development portion of what we've been doing. And then the context of providing surgeons their corneas for transplants, Sight Life Surgical will become all about the cornea beyond just the tissue for transplant, we'll continue to grow and add new and better products for surgeons who are doing cornea transplantation and also advancing other cornea therapies. Excellent. And so how does this help you reach that, that 2040 uh, goal? Is that is you, this just creates efficiencies or will encourage efficiencies that you hopefully get you there? Well, the key to getting to a point where we clean up the gap between the 150 million a year supply of corneas and the 10 million people in demand of cornea transplants and other cornea therapies is really innovation. And so, Tom, what we're doing is we're getting the resources in place, we're getting the right people in place mm -hmm. so that we can actually innovate at the speed of need in cornea. And that innovation will allow us to reach populations, not hundreds at a time, not thousands at a time, but millions at wow. a time so that we really do get to that goal of eliminating cornea blindness by 2040. Excellent. Well, it's grateful that you introduced the news here at OIS and, 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 and brought it to our audience. And thank you for taking some time to tell our viewers on OIS, OIS TV. 
Thank you, Tom. And I have to say, you know, this environment, um, really, uh, I think SiteLife Surgical is a great example of the benefits that come out of OIS because the networking we've done here, the learning that we've done here over the years put us in a fantastic position to actually make SiteLife Surgical reality. So thank you to you guys. We talked to David Bailey uh, when we were at ESCRS uh, last month, and uh, he gave us an update on Sensimed at his presentation at OIS, uh, David released uh, some information about a new financing agreement. It uh, wasn't a fundraising, but it was an extremely uh, healthy amount of debt, and it came from a very interesting player. Let's have a listen. And we also announced that we closed a $10 million convertible loan. First time we'd announced that, wow. of which half came from uh, Seed, a Japanese contact lens company that wanted to get into the device space. So Seed came in with half of those monies. Our investors came in with the balance. Um, and a portion of what Seed put in is dedicate, will be dedicated to doing a key pivotal study in Japan on using SensorMed Triggerfish as a classification device for normal tension glaucoma. Well, let's so talk about Triggerfish. Two new exciting announcements. That, first time at OIS. Thank you for sharing them at OIS. We'd love to break news here. Yep. Uh, let's back up a bit and introduce Triggerfish as well to our, our viewers out there. Right. So Triggerfish is the first FDA-approved contact lens sensor. So we have a sensing mechanism inside a silicon contact lens uh, with a telemetry system so that we can record ocular volume change. So there's a strain gauge sensor inside, inside the contact lens, and we measure the change in ocular volume over a 24-hour period so that we get an uninterrupted look at what's happening while the patient is asleep at night. So we get a full 24-hour measurement of something new, ocular volume change, uh, which we're now focused on understanding the clinical relevance of that measurement and how it can be used to supplement IOP measurement to give better treatment for patients. So is it clear that we need that second metric? Is it evident to you that that's necessary? Excellent question. Uh, If you go to Japan, I think this is the key test. Mm -hmm. In Japan, because 95 Seven percent of their patients have normal pressure. Just measuring pressure alone for glaucoma diagnosis is not sufficient. They're desperate for an additional biomarker that they can use to supplement their IOP measurements in order to classify the patients more precisely and therefore decide treatment. Next, I talked to uh, Reza Zadno. He's the new CEO, of course, of Avidro. We talked to Reza at uh, ESCRS last month as well. And we're also joined with Raj Rapal, who's the CMO of Avidro. And uh, Avidro had uh, released, uh, after I talked to them at ESCRS, they had released some, uh, some very interesting studies regarding Pixel. It's, uh, it's promising new treatment for vision improvement for low myopia. Let's, uh, let's hear this conversation with Reza and Raz. So Pixel is photorefractive intrastromal cross-linking, as you know. Mm-hmm. It comes from an understanding that focally cross-linking a portion of the cornea allows the remainder of the cornea to adjust shape, and that allows us to achieve flattening, which is what we're studying right now, and myopia. So this is using a device and a formulation of riboflavin that's not available in the U.S., not in clinical trials in the U.S., and the two studies that you're referring to, one was an epi-off study where we removed the epithelium, soaked the riboflavin, and then applied the UV light, and we found a treatment effect of about 1.3 diopters. And the second study was the EPI-ON study, where we expected less effect, but we're able to achieve about 0.75 diopters. So it's promising because we are performing a very non-invasive or minimally invasive procedure to correct a low level of myopia. 
That's terrific news. And where do we go next with, with Pixel after the release of, the, of those studies? So we have ongoing clinical trials that are evaluating various parameters that we think will allow us to increase efficacy as well as refine the algorithms to be able to achieve the treatment effect that we want. Terrific. And now we're also in the middle of a, or the beginning, rather, of a commercial launch yes. with, of, uh, of KXL and corneal cross-linking. Yep. Can you give us an update on, on that? So we uh, started shipping a few weeks ago, and mm -hmm. we are very excited about it. Our goal is by the end of the year to have 200 systems uh, in place. That's going very well. So that has been one of the activities at Avidro expanding our manufacturing. So we are bringing, uh, moving to a new building and uh, hiring people. So that's going very well, and as well as uh, continuing shipping product outside the United States. Let's stick with the clinical trial updates. I had a chance to speak with Megan Baldwin. Uh, Megan has been on the podcast before, also has been interviewed for OIS TV. She leads Upthea, which is an Australia-based company that does its uh, clinical trials in the U.S., and we'll get into that in a minute. Upthea is uh, developing OPT302 uh, as a treatment for wet AMD. It blocks the activity of uh, VEGF-C and VEGF-D. Megan gave us an update on the clinical trial progress for OPT302. Let's have a listen. Yeah, well, we're a, an Australian-based company, but we do all of our clinical trial work in the United States at this point. Uh, we've recently reported uh, data from our first first-in-man uh, clinical study. It's a phase one dose escalation study. Mm -hmm. We showed that OPT302 in wet AMD patients was very safe and well-tolerated. But in addition to that, we saw very uh, early but very encouraging evidence of clinical activity of OPT302. So we saw improvements in visual acuity uh, and uh, reductions in retinal thickness mm -hmm. that were over and above what we would expect with Lacentis alone. So we were very encouraged by that. And in addition to um, demonstrating some interesting data in naive patients, we also showed um, some evidence that we were able to improve outcomes in patients that have been treated with a VEGF-A inhibitor previously. So wow. they're generally regarded as a difficult to treat patient population, but we saw some very interesting improvements in visual acuity and reductions in retinal thickness in those difficult to treat prior treated patients. I'm accustomed to seeing U.S. companies doing their trials OUS. What, why are you doing your trial in the U.S.? We're doing our clinical studies in the U.S. in order to basically work with the leading clinical mm -hmm. sites, the leading clinical ophthalmology experts. Uh, we're also able to access the very large patient um, uh, patient numbers that you find in the United States. Mm -hmm. But it also enables us to interact in that global fashion with really some of the leading clinical experts in this field. And we think that's important. Uh, as we move through our clinical development program, we'll be expanding our, our global reach. So we'll be doing more... Um, clinical studies both in the EU as well as in the Australian um, sites as well. Mm -hmm. But for our initial study, we really did focus on the FDA um, and doing our sites uh, in, in, in the US. Let's stick with the clinical trial updates. On, uh, on the day of OIS, Allegro Ophthalmics very kindly released the results of its Del Mar Phase 2B clinical trials. These are evaluating Luminate as the treatment for patients with diabetic macular edema. I had the opportunity to speak with Vikan Karagiosian. He is the president and chief medical officer of Allegro and uh, gave us a sense of exactly what these trial results mean for the company. Let's listen to what Vikan says. OIS is the time when we, we break some news and you were kind enough to deliver some news this morning. Yes, uh, we had a press release this morning that our phase two DME monotherapy study uh, came out successful and met its primary and secondary endpoints. So what does that mean for Allegro? What is next? 
what it means for Allegro, first of all, what that, the news today meant was that we've taken a lot of risk out of the equation, mm-hmm. that in a 140 patients followed for six months, the drug can stand on its own against anti-VEGF by itself and give you nice improvements in visual acuity and retinal anatomy that are comparable to what you see with anti-VEGF with a completely unique mechanism of action. We actually had a bonus as well. After giving the drug, the drug seems to last about 12 to 16 weeks after the last dosings as well. That is great. Backing up a little bit, just tell us a bit about your technology and and your approach. Yeah, so uh, Allegro's uh, lead molecule is Luminate. It's an anti-integrin peptide. It is a synthetic peptide. It's the first in class in ophthalmology. It doesn't exist uh, inside ophthalmology right now. It targets the construction aspects of angiogenesis rather than the signaling pathways like you see with VEGF. So the, the phase two trials obviously will be helpful if you were to go on phase three by yourself. But yes. this is also a nice time to talk to partners. and That's exactly what's happening already. The, yeah. the amount of interest since this data has come out over the last few weeks has been pretty intense. Things are moving forward pretty quickly. That's fantastic news. So maybe we'll have some news uh, sooner than OIS at AO next year. We'll see. And finally, let's visit with the principles of LACRA science. Chris Geddes and Paul Gavars were kind enough to stop by and give us an update on the lacquer pen, which is a device that's been developed as a handheld tear osmometer used for the de- diagnosing of dry eye. But in this discussion, and, and if you watch Chris's presentation, which we'll have up on OIS.net in a bit, uh, you'll see that the uh, potential for the lacquer pen is far greater than that. Let's hear what he has to say. It was an interesting talk this morning that Lacquer Science gave because previously we've, we've pitched the pen as being an osmometer for the detection of uh, a diagnosis of dry eye syndrome. Today we showed a, a lot of potential of the pen that it goes far beyond just osmolarity. Hmm. We can detect a whole, lot of, a whole load of different disease states, uh, upregulated MMP9, uh, adenovirus, uh, MRSA, herpes simplex, herpes zoster, and really it, it's the only platform technology that hopefully... Will, uh, will be on the market in a few years' time. There's no other technology that can diagnose all those different uh, disease states on one pen. So, but will ophthalmology, will dry eye be your, your principal focus? I think it's going to carry you into commercial. It's in the, the begin- because of it's the first two tests, the yeah. osmolarity and the MMP9 that uh, Chris is developing, the biofilm. But uh, concurrently, he's going to be working on the rest of the diagnostic area. So it's going to be a useful instrument in very short order. And that's a wrap. Thanks to everyone who stopped by the OIS TV studio at OIS at AAO last week in Chicago. It's great to have the opportunity to visit with you folks and many more. We'll have these videos up on OIS.net as soon as we're uh, able to prepare them. Thanks, of course, to our listeners for joining us on the podcast. And I sincerely hope you're able to join us at OIS at AAO last week. And, of course, uh, last thanks go out to our sponsors and our co-chairs, Bill Link, Emmett Cunningham, and Gil Kleiman. We're putting together a great show. Once again, we'll be rolling out content from the conference in the coming weeks. Stay tuned. If you want information on when the content is coming out, or if you want to be sure you see when the content is coming out, please do sign up for our Eye on Innovation newsletter. Just go to ois.net, give us your email, and we'll start delivering you the great news and podcast and video content from the OIS conference. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.